Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Crosby in his face and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. It's Unnecessary Roughness. If we get a bunch of guys on the same page that are bought in on winning, we do it for each other, everybody's going to have success. Here's your boy Q. And here we go. Welcome in. Welcome back. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. A little bit earlier than normal as we're signing on at noon. We'll be uh, signing off at 3.30. Make a way for Aces basketball as the Aces are in Connecticut taking on the Sun. They were just there a couple days ago, as a matter of fact. On Tuesday, we did the same thing, 12 to 3.30. So we're going to rock that this afternoon with you and uh, hopefully have a lot of good conversations and, of course, have a lot of good guests that we bring to the table as well. But pleased to be with you uh, here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got my man Jared Justice behind the wheels of steel holding it down as my man Ari is on vacation. So Demond is holding it down on Cofield and Company. Got a lot of moving parts next week. You'll see uh, Clay Baker will get some time off. Vinny will get some time off. Lindsey will get some time off. We'll just do a lot of moving parts. And then the following week, I'll be off as well. So, I mean, just during this time of year, we got to go ahead and get that vacation, a little bit of rest in as we can get it. So we're doing it right now. But uh, like I said, always a pleasure to be with you here. Three and a half hours long, three and a half hours strong. We're ready to rock and roll. As we get into today's show, my man Jordan Schultz from The Score just sent out a tweet. He's a really good NFL insider. He's really good with the NBA as well, just covers all sports. But uh, just put out this tweet. Free agent pass rusher Frank Clark is signing with the Broncos, uh, the three-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Chiefs, found a new home with the Denver Broncos. So there you go, Jared. You know Frank Clark really well, really good pass rusher. Uh, been with the Chiefs for a long time. He's staying with the uh, in the AFC West and going to Denver now. I thought I, I part of my heart thought that they would move money around and get him back because he he wanted to stay. He said it. He said it on Twitter. That because that means everything. <laughs> I know everything you read on the internet is true. Damn it, everything you read on the internet is true. Look at the end of the day, they had a need. The Denver Broncos had a need, so they went out and got Frank Clark and just another addition to the AFC West. I mean, it's not like he's a new addition because he's been in the AFC West, but now he goes to the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton and company are attempting to build that team up. I don't know what their success is going to look like in year one with Peyton. I've said it many times. He was the day that he signed the deal that that that's going to be a better team under Sean Payton. He's going to do everything he can to make them right. So there you go. Frank Clark is going to the Denver Broncos. But coming up on the show today, got some good guests that we're going to uh, bring into the show. I'm excited about Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network. He'll join us at 1230. He's been out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Been talking to him the last few days. He's been observing mandatory minicamp, which got wrapped up today. This is the third and final day of mandatory minicamp. Vinny's out there. Clay is out there. We'll actually check in with Vinny a little bit later on the show. But we'll get Omar's thoughts. He's not a guy that's around the Raiders as often as a Vinny or a Paul Gutierrez or even myself or, you know, a Vic Tafer to Sean Reed. He comes in every once in a while from NFL Network. So I just want to get his eyes on what he's seen from the silver and black. He's a guy that's covered the Raiders like a glove. Obviously, he covered their move to Vegas like a glove. He's been all over it. But just want to get his thoughts uh, when he had the opportunity to sit down and talk to head coach Joshua Daniels, what he took from him, and kind of where he feels like the Raiders are. Again, it's only June 8th, so it's still early in the process. But just kind of where they are right now as they wrap up mandatory minicamp, get one more OTA session next week, and then it's off until training camp. So Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network, good friend of the show, will join us at 1230. Then... Coming up at 1 o'clock, Gilbert Manzano, another good friend of the show, SI Now, Monday morning quarterback. He actually is the reason for 
our opening drive conversation that we're going to have today. The topic that I have on the show today, he is actually the reason for it. He's putting out a series of of pieces on Monday Morning Quarterback SI Now called uh, 32 Teams in 32 Days. And it's so funny because I don't ever have a clock when it comes to work. And, you know, it's funny, Jared. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you ever get these. Like, I'll send an email, and then the email will say, do you want to send this during work hours? And I'm like, no. No. You know, like I never – I always ignore that, but we have that with our company email. Anytime we're sending emails to anyone and it's outside of work hours, which I don't know what work hours are. I mean, I really don't. Because I feel like our work never ends, right? I feel like as soon as I lay it down and go to sleep, the first thing I do in the morning is wake up to see if I missed anything. Exactly. Right? Because that's, I mean, responsibly, that's what our job is. Our job is to be on top of it. It's not to wake up in the morning, do three, four hours or something, and then all of a sudden realize at 6 a.m. we missed some big signing. Like, we're supposed to be on it. That's our job. So I don't really pay attention to so-called work hours plus I mean, whatever, you know. So anyway, I'm reading this piece that Gilbert uh, put out. I'm reading it on the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm reading it last night after I got off ESPN Radio, which was around 11 o'clock last night. So I'm literally up at my desk at the house, and I'm, I'm checking it out. I'm reading it. It's a really good piece. He's got a lot of good ideas in it. So I was like, man, I got to get him on the show to talk about it. So I text him at midnight. <laughs> yeah. I got around to midnight, and I text him. I was like, hey, uh, can you come on the show a little bit later on? Well, I guess it's today already. So a little bit later on this afternoon, and, uh, and, and come on and talk about it and kind of share your thoughts on what, you know, what the, the formula is that's going into this piece that you're working on. And uh, anyway, he hit me back. Obviously, a little bit later on this morning, probably around, I don't know, 8.30 or 9, and uh, said, oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, pencil me in. I definitely want to come on. So he's going to come on. And, again, his piece that he's putting out really inspired today's topic that we'll get to when we get to the opening drive. But Gilbert Manzano, good friend of the show, SI Now, Monday Morning Quarterback, will join us at 1 o'clock. And then David J. Roth from Defector, a guy that, as of a couple days ago, had me blocked on Twitter. And I don't know why. And this is a Jared thing. Jared, this is a guy that you've had on on the press box on ESPN Las Vegas a few times. And you said, hey, you want to have David on? And I thought, sure, because I know he's been on the press box before. And then I went to his Twitter account just to kind of see what he was talking about. And I was like, wait, why am I blocked? Exactly. I've never had this dude on. So can you give me the backstory of why I was blocked? Because now I'm not. I noticed today I'm not. He he claims that it was an automatic, like, Twitter automatically blocked a bunch of people, and I think that that story may be a little uh, suspect. So whenever we have him on, I think that that needs to be that the the air needs to be cleared. I just wanted. I mean, I've never talked to him. I know. <laughs> so I don't. Know. I literally texted. But you know what? I've never talked to Chad o- Ocho Cinco, and he's blocked me as well. That's why most random. Trent Brown. He's also blocked me. I understand why Trent Brown's blocked me because I was pretty critical of him and his injuries and his lack of accountability when he was with the Raiders. So I got that one. I understood that. Matter of fact, I think I did a whole podcast about Trent Brown. So that one I understood. Ocho Cinco, not so much. Like, I don't have any idea. Maybe that'll be the topic that we ask when David comes on. I'll say, hey, man, who's the most famous guy you've been blocked by? Ben Roethlisberger. Why did Ben? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, okay, that's not true. I did say that he looked like a thumb. But to who? Oh, on Twitter. I tweeted out oh, Ben well, Roethlisberger. See, that makes sense <laughs> like then. A thumb. I've never talked about Ocho Cinco. I actually liked Ocho Cinco. I, I don't know. I have no idea why he blocked me. I don't, I've never talked to David and until today, until at 1.30, so I don't know why he blocked me, but maybe it was auto block. I don't really care. I mean, it's Twitter, so it's not really going to hurt my feelings or anything, but it was just funny when I was trying to do some research and I looked up and I sent you the picture, the screenshot, and I was like, <laughs> oh, this David Roth? <laughs> The one who's blocked me, you're like, what the hell? I literally texted him, why do you have my boss blocked? (laughs) 
He's like, who the hell is your boss? <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. That's funny. So David Roth will join us at 1.30 from Defector. Uh, he's he's really good, and you kind of explained this to me. broke down. We'll talk all things, all sports. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk about the NBA Finals now that the Heat find themselves, themselves down in the series as the Nuggets, the Nuggets uh, they mollywopped them yesterday. They really did. I mean, they, they bodied them. They gave them the business. So we'll talk about that with, with David as well. But you said he's got a specialty where basically – you can name a random, say, Raider, and he could just bring up, you know, and start talking about him. Yeah, he does a thing called remembering guys, and it, it's not, it's you know, so it can't be like, um, you know, remember uh, Charles Woodson or something like that. Uh, <laughs> like, it's got, if you, a random second-round pick that played, like, 14 games, he'll be like, yeah, I remember one game where he uh where he completely whiffed on a tackle and then that led to the team losing and it's it's incredible. <laughs> like genuinely you can bring up like Bob Hamlin from right. 1994 Royals and he'll have a story about it. My yeah. guy Joshua hit me up on Twitter and said, "You smoked Trent Brown on podcast." <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Like I said, I understood. I understood why he blocked me. Like I had no, you know, it's not like you were unfair. No, that's the thing. It's not like I just made up some stuff just to go after the guy because I didn't like him. It had nothing to do with that. I thought he was a really good player when he played and when he was accountable. But that was when the whole he had taken off his little tracker device and put it across the room so he can not be trained. You know, that's when the yeah. whole COVID thing. Look, hell, when I was at the facility, when we were still coming out of the COVID stuff, I had to wear the little bracelet when I got there. Like, every single one of us had to wear the bracelet, make sure that we weren't uh, in, within a certain distance and everything. So everyone had to be accountable. And when he actually took off his bracelet, didn't allow himself to be tracked or whatever the tracking device was at this point, I forget what, it, what it's actually called, and, and put it across the room, and then he wasn't available half the time, uh, you know, I, I had to smoke him. So I did. <laughs> so I understood why he blocked me. But Ocho Cinco, like I said, totally different. So uh, David J. Roth from Defector will join us at 1.30. Uh, we'll just talk about... Everything. We'll just scatter shoot with David. Should be a fun conversation. Then Vinny Bonsignor will check in live from uh, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I know we had him on yesterday, but since mandatory, mandatory minicamp is getting wrapped up today, thought it'd be good just to kind of let Vinny put a bow on things as he's out there. As I mentioned, Clay Baker's out there as well, just observing and, uh, and, and talking. As a matter of fact, I believe they're talking to uh, special teams coordinator Tom McMahon right now uh, at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center. So when 2 o'clock comes, we'll kind of put a bow on mandatory minicamp next week from the 12th to the 15th. It'll be the final OTA session. And I'll tell you right now, the 15th is the day, next Thursday, as a matter of fact, is the day that we're supposed to be out there to observe practice and then talk afterwards. I'd be shocked if they had that day. I would be super shocked if they actually go through with that. I mean, normally, if uh, around this time of year, when it comes to the final session, they just cancel it and say, okay, we'll see you back. You know, we'll see you back in training camp. You know, report back to training camp, have a safe summer, and, and, and come back, you know, and get ready to work. So that, I would be shocked. Now, I don't know that. That's just me. That's just my gut feeling. So it probably will only be two OTA sessions next week, but we'll see. So Vinny will join us coming up at 2 o'clock. So those are the guests that we have on the show. Omar Ruiz at 1230, Gilbert Manzano at 1 o'clock, David J. Roth at 1.30, and then Vinny Bostonior at 2 o'clock. And, of course, we're going strong until 3.30. We'll hear from you throughout the course of the show at 702-365-9200. Don't be broke .com. Text line 69187, keyword R&R. May hear from a player or two uh, that are also speaking, like Amir Abdullah. I know he's supposed to speak. Bilal Nichols is supposed to be talking. Uh, Brandon Faison is supposed to be speaking. He's a guy that they brought back as a free agent. He spent some time with the Raiders, went off to the Colts last year. 
year. They brought him back. So we may pencil him in uh, to hear what his media session sounds like. And then Amir Abdullah is another guy that I like. So maybe those two guys will we'll kind of pencil in to, to hear from later on in the show. But we got plenty to get to, so let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So as I mentioned, Gilbert Manzano and his piece that he put out on Monday Morning Quarterback, the 32 teams and 32 days that he's working on, we'll speak with him about this coming up at 1 o'clock, really inspired today's topic. As I was reading it and going through it, uh, he had different categories for these teams. And as I mentioned, he was talking about the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, position of weakness, position of strength, X factor, you know, biggest gamble, biggest risk in the offseason. There was a lot of different categories that he had as he was putting this thing together. And again, he's just kind of given the thoughts on each one of the teams in the NFL as of right now. Now, obviously, things could change throughout the course of training camp. There's still players that could be added to the team. Obviously, there's going to be players that are going to be released from the team as they dwindle it down to the 53-man roster. But uh, as I was reading it, it really kind of clicked in my head that, hey, those are, those are some good categories to talk about, and you could talk about each and every team when you look at these categories. So I just picked out three of them. There's multiple categories that he had, and again, I'll let him explain it more coming up at 1 o'clock, but I wanted to throw this out there. Three questions. I asked the other day what were the big, the three biggest questions that you had about the Raiders, so I wanted to throw three questions at you that, that, uh, that have to do with this piece that Gilbert put out. And this is about the Raiders as a team, position of weakness. What would you say their position of weakness is right now as it stands? What would you say their position of strength is right now? And this is, of course, the best. Like The, the, the position of weakness is the, the, the weakest part of the team right now as it stands. The strongest part of the team as it stands and then the X factor. Those are the three categories that I picked from Gilbert's uh, piece that I wanted to bring to the table and talk about. So position of weakness, position of strength, and X factor. So I throw it out there to you. Give me the answer to all three of those. What would you say the Raiders' position of weakness is? What would you say the Raiders' position of strength is? And what would you say is the Raiders' X factor? 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R. And I'll go ahead and start the whole thing off. Position of weakness I put for the Raiders as of right now, and I thought this was actually a pretty difficult question to answer, you know, because you could say, you could just be general and say, oh, the defense. But I'm talking about position. So I'm talking secondary, defensive line, safety, corners. Where where is the position of weakness? If it's on the defensive side of the ball, let me know exactly what position it is. If it's on the offensive side of the ball, let me know exactly what position it is. That's really how how much I wanted to break it down. And I end up choosing the linebacker room. And I think that's an absolutely fair uh, evaluation based on the conversations we've had with our guests this week. And Mm -hmm who's going to drop into coverage and cover Travis Kelsey? Right. I mean, look, and I look at it like this, and I even wrote it down on our little rundown that we have for the show. Divine Diablo and, and a question mark, right? Because yeah. it seems like Divine Diablo is the guy that they're really high on. You know, he's, he's got some size to him. Uh, he was leading the team in tackles. But even then, he wasn't great and fantastic in coverage before he got injured last year. So who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the standout linebacker? And can they have more than one, right? Can that room develop into a solid unit. That's been one of the weakest units of the Raiders for quite a while. I've been saying it going back to when Cleve Farrell was drafted number four overall. I thought that they should go get a sideline to sideline linebacker at that point. If they weren't going to get Quentin Williams, which obviously they didn't because the Jets went and got him at number three, I thought they should have gone and got Devin White. And I know Devin White has his issues. 
He's not, you know, he's not Roquan Smith. I would have loved for them to get yeah. Roquan Smith, but the Bears had taken him at what number eight overall, uh, whenever year they took him, and now he's in Baltimore. He's got a big long contract there. Patrick Queen, I like him as a linebacker, but even he has a few issues improved last year. But Devin White was the guy at that point. I was like, you know what, the Raiders need to invest in a linebacker, and I know. People say don't invest in linebackers, first-round linebackers. I get it. But it's been such a long time since they've had that dude. Like, uh, there was, Perryman was, was good, but he wasn't fantastic, right? He had his weaknesses as well. Coverage was one of them, even though last year he had two interceptions for the team and, and uh, was tied for the, the, the team lead, as they only had six for the, the season. So, you know, he did his part. He did the best he could. But I always feel like they need some real-deal linebackers. And I know they have Masterson. I know they have Butler. I know they signed Spillane. I know Diablo's there. I mean, there's dudes there, but at what level of dudes are they, right? And I think that that's something that I could say is a question right now, and it's probably the biggest weakness. At least in my mind, it's the biggest, uh, the biggest weakness of the team right now. But that doesn't mean that coming out of training camp, I can't come back here and say, oh, man, those linebackers look solid, right? They look, they look awesome. They figured it out. That's a really solid, strong unit. We, we could be talking about that by the end of training camp. But right now, as it stands, well before training camp ever starts, I think the linebacking room is the weakest unit right now of the team. And you're absolutely right. And people sort of sleep on what ha- like having that main linebacker. If you remember that uh, Panthers team where Luke Keekley basically quarterbacked that defense where the uh, defensive line would get pressure and then he would clean up the mess. Having that guy allows your corners and your safeties to have more freedom to try to jump routes, to try to do things because mm-hmm. you know you have a guy that's going to come in and clean up the havoc plays that you're trying to make. Right, exactly. So there you go. That's my position of weakness for the Raiders is the linebacking room right now. I think that Divine Diablo, no doubt about it, is the leader, but then I put the and question mark. Who else is going to step up next and be that guy? Position of strength, I think it's obvious. The wide receiver room is the, is the strength, right? And it's yeah. deep. It's so deep that people are trying to trade folks, <laughs> right? Trying to send people to other teams. And I get it. There's so many wide receivers. You don't need all of them. But that's clearly, that's clearly the strength of the Raiders team right now is that big, solid, talented, def, different. They're, they're, none of these guys are all similar, right? right. I mean, they're, they're, they're all, they come in different shapes and sizes, speed, everything, ability. So the wide receiver room is very deep. So I think that's clearly the, the the biggest strength of the team right now. You know, it's funny that you're when you said people are trying to trade people. I I've been doing prep for the show in the mornings, and half of the like YouTube things about the Raiders are, and I'm I'm looking for film breakdowns, but they're like, could this guy be traded? And I'm like, right. you guys just are you just bored? Like, yeah. look how good this room is. Right. You have a you have two excellent slot options. You have a guy who's just a cheat code in Adams. And then you've just got some dudes with speed. Right. Like, you, there's so many things you can do, and you ha- you don't have to burn anyone out. You can rotate. Like, having positional rotations right. is huge. Yeah, no, it really is. And, look, this this uh, offense led by Josh McDaniels has always been really good when it comes to the slot receivers. They've always thrived. And I know that, you know, Hunter Renfro, uh, you could say Jacoby Myers, obviously Trey Tucker. You know, there's a bunch of different guys that could play that slot role. Hell, Devontae Adams could kick inside and play the slot. I mean, that's – and that's how, how versatile that room is, you know, and there's there's other guys that can fill other voids. So there's going to be some tough decisions made in that wide receiver room. Like, they're not going to keep everyone. You know, Trey Tucker is a guy that has also been brought in for special teams. Well, DeAndre Carter is a guy that was also signed to bring in for special teams and a wide receiver. So there's a lot of different options. But the one thing that they really did with that wide receiver room and, and the team in general over the offseason was get faster, right? There's a yeah. lot of speed in that room, and there's a lot of speed on the team in general, which is great. 
They need as much speed as possible. That was an element of the team that was missing last year is an element that they have this year. So my biggest strength for the Raiders this year is the wide receiver room, and I don't think it's close, right? I mean, there's, there's obviously you can say the running back room, but that's led by Josh Jacobs, and everyone else is kind of a, a I don't want to say a question mark, but Zamir White, you don't really know what you have in him yet. Britton Brown, you yes. definitely don't know what you have in him. Uh, Amir Abdullah, you know he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. Brandon Bolden really didn't do anything uh, in, in last year with the Raiders. So, I mean, I wouldn't. I would say that Josh Jacobs is a super strength, but as far as just a, a whole room, it's definitely the wide receivers. As far as I'm concerned, this is where it gets interesting, though. This is where I have fun, and I actually had to even cheat on this one. X factor, and I know I should only pick one, but you always say, "Well, let me slash and put this." Like put two. So that's what I did. I cheated on this one and actually gave two answers, but I really, I really only want to give one. So I'm going to kind of dwindle it down right now. I'm going to say the Raiders' X factor is going to be on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to say it's a healthy Nate Hobbs. I, and I, I'll tell you, my other, my other thought was Marcus Epps as well because he brings that leadership, and, and he's really starting to come into his own, and you saw that last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I kind of feel like I'm cheating if I pick both. But I do think that a healthy Nate Hobbs is going to be an X factor for that Raiders' defense, and this is why. He could play in the slot. He could play outside. He may develop into a guy that could follow a guy around if if it works out that way, right? Last year, I was excited when he was playing outside. We all, I think, believe that his best position is in the slot. I think that's what everyone kind of agrees on, especially from what we saw so far, from what he did his rookie year and then last year. But last year, he was banged up, and so he wasn't wasn't out there, wasn't able to be on display as much and, and do what he, he, he does. So we don't know how good he could be at that, uh, that outside corner position, but... I feel like he can really play anywhere he wants to, right? As long as he's healthy, he could really be that guy. Hey, we need the slot held down. Okay, Nate, you kick inside. Hey, we need your physicality outside. Okay, Nate, kick outside, right? He can do stuff like that. I think that that's going to help, and it's going to allow the other guys to develop and decide, okay, who's going to be the other corners, right? And you get the, obviously you get the best guys out there. That's all that matters at the end of the day is that the best guys are out there in the slot and on the outsides. That's what you want. I think a healthy Nate Hobbs, and this is something I saw yesterday while I was at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center watching mandatory minicamp. He looks fast. Like, he looks faster than normal. There was a, and this is funny because it wasn't on a defensive play, there was a special teams uh, drills that they were going through, kickoff return and everything, and I hadn't seen Nate Hobbs on kickoff return. I didn't, I just hadn't seen it. And all of a sudden, I see somebody in a black jersey just boom, 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 just dart through. And I know me and Vinny were like, damn, who the hell was that? That guy was fast. And I can't remember who was standing next to us. I think it was Mark from uh, the RJ. And he said, uh, oh, that was Nate Hobbs. And I was like, no, Nate Hobbs is 39. Wait, no, that's that was Nate Hobbs. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I, I hadn't seen him that fast. Now, look, I wasn't up close to personal. I was where the stands were, and, and he was on the middle field. But I promise you, the return, just his wiggle, it just looked quick, and it looked fast. And immediately what I thought of, was the training camp, my first training camp here, when I said, damn, Max Crosby looks fast. And then come to find out Max Crosby was fast, right? He was faster than he was the year before. And I'm not saying that Nate Hobbs is faster, but from my little glimpse of what I saw, he looked really quick. Like, he just looked like he had some, a little bit of burst. And, and I don't know if he was putting in work in the offseason because he was so banged up and he was frustrated from, you know, from, from the season that he had. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the difference is, if there is a difference. Maybe it's just early in camp and he's just, I don't know, he, he's healthy and so he's feeling good about it. So I don't know, but he just looked different. You know when you just see someone and you're like, you know what, something just looks different about that dude. That's Absolutely. what I got from Nate yeah. Hobbs. And 
the most interesting thing about speed is you the theory is you're, you you can never actually get faster all you can do is remove impediments to your right. actual speed right so he's probably after actually rehabbing and getting healthy he's probably going man i i this is i feel faster right well i'll tell you what he looked faster he looked quick man i mean just and you know there's something to it there's there could be one less step taken there you know what i mean it, it, it's it's all depends you know how how like track guys they they're always practicing the, the way that they run and the, and the way they get off and, and their first couple steps, Nate just looked fast. I mean, he just did. It was something that I, I could not stop talking about Nate to Vinny. I kept saying it. We'll ask him when he joins us at 2 o'clock uh, what his thoughts were, but he just looked really quick. So I like Nate. I liked him a lot his rookie year. Uh, I like the fact that he came in with a chip on his shoulder. I don't know what happened last year outside of injury, but – he has an opportunity. If he's healthy this year, he really has an opportunity to establish who he is. And if he could be the guy that we thought he was going to be last year, just really build off his, his rookie year, the secondary could look a lot better than people think it is right now. Absolutely. And I think your slash is also important as far as Marcus Epps being the leader. And mm-hmm. that safety leader opens so many things up for the corners. Right. Like, I think Epps is going to help Trayvon Marigal as well, who needs he, a big year. He needs that. Yeah. Well, he needs that big training camp preseason just to uh, show that he deserves a spot on the team. What? I don't disagree, but I I really think having a guy there to be like, okay, on this play, if you if you think you have a screen, you can jump it because I'll be there behind you to mm-hmm. to get it. But if you don't have a screen, then we need to you know we need to reset and right. come off the press like. Having that guy out on the field to tell like the corners, all right, do this, do don't right. do this. That was uh, that was what Ed Reed was always like. They people would always say that right. he was incredible at. Yes, yeah. that he would go out there and he'd go, "Hey man, on this one, let him go by you. I got it." Right. Well, he was a student of the game. Right. He studied yeah. film so well. And Marcus Epps on Monday told myself, JT and Eric Allen to help when he started studying film back in the day. He didn't even know what the hell he was looking at. You know, it took him until about two years ago to actually realize what he's seeing on film, so he's starting to develop. So he's a younger guy that could be a leader. I look at Deron Harmon. I keep going back to him because he was a hell of a leader for the Raiders secondary last season, but he's an older dude, and you see that they haven't re-signed him. I feel like if they can get a couple guys that are as intelligent, can can study film and understand what they're looking at, like a Deron Harmon, that could be that could be good. That could be really good. Marcus Epps is still a young cat, right? So he can really help develop and learn and grow within this Raiders defense. And look, they they made him a priority guy that they signed as a free agent, like right out the, the, the gates. So clearly they saw something. They wanted to bring him in the mix and and have him be a part of the team. And we heard from him earlier in this week, and it just sounds like he could really be that part. And from what I saw yesterday, what I saw you know other days out there, OTAs and minicamp, he's flying around. He's a guy that can go and, and make a play on the ball. He could also go in and hit. He's not afraid to put his head in there and, and go and get a tackle. So that's what you want. You want a guy that could do just about everything. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, 69187, keyword r r That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Text us in real quick. Position of weakness for the Raiders, position of strength for the Raiders, and what you believe the X factor is. We'll get to your calls. We'll get to your texts after we talk to Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network, who joins us next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Threw it out there on the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r looking for the Raiders' position of weakness, the Raiders' position of strength, and the Raiders' X-factor. Again, 69187, keyword r Let us know 
Give us your feedback, and we'll get to it as soon as we talk to our guest, Omar Ruiz from NFL Network, who now joins us on the phone lines. And, Omar, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. It was great seeing you out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It's always good to catch up with you. But oh, you aren't around the Raiders all the time, but you come in for mandatory minicamp and checked it out. What was your kind of biggest takeaway from what you were able to see when they were out in the grass? Well, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams and more Devontae Adams. <laughs> I just loved how, regardless of who was playing quarterback, he led the way and, and stood out. I mean, obviously, he's as big a superstar as you can get in the NFL, and it showed in minicamp catching touchdown passes from Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. And you know, I heard a couple weeks ago him when he met with the media speaking about trying to form that chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo off the field. Obviously, mm-hmm. can't work together on the field yet watching film together, trying to develop a friendship, a relationship off the field. I just thought it was real curious when he said that his production didn't take off with Aaron Rodgers until that part of his relationship with Aaron Rodgers blossomed, the off the field, the friendship, the relationship, and trying to replicate that with Jimmy G would certainly go a long way in, in terms of big success in 23. But uh, Devontae Adams, obviously, and, and I just I just feel at this point in time, the Raiders are one of those fascinating teams to watch in 23 uh, because they do have so many question marks. And if those question marks are answered in the fall in a resounding way, emphatically positive, then this is a team that has a real chance uh, to contend in the AFC West. And, and if they're not answered uh, or, you know, answered in a negative way, then, then uh, it might be uh, a long year. So it could go one way or the other, and it's part of the intrigue at this time of year. You know, I want to go back to Devontae Adams because you brought up his great points about him and, you know, him talking about a quarterback didn't really make him. How much have you seen him mature and grow and now finally getting the chance to say, hey, this is my team. It's no longer Carr's team. It's not Gruden's team. It's now Devontae Adams' team. Well, it's a great point. And I think, uh, you know, in hearing him speak and in both the podcast and his subsequent media sessions, uh, with you all uh, here in town, uh, I, I just think I do see a guy who's honest, who um, is a leader, is able to speak his mind. And I think a lot of that stuff was probably overblown because he was asked by the front office and the organization about his opinion, somebody who's, whose opinion, whose insight, everything about how he approaches his professionalism in the NFL is valued by the organization. So he was asked about everything. And of course, you know, not everybody is not going to agree about everything, you know, just in life mm-hmm. uh, in general. And I think, um, you know, for him to kind of have that perspective, that maturity, um, you know, to lead the way he has to try to form, you know, a, a relationship with Jacoby Myers and the rest of the receiving room. And, and obviously we just spoke about the quarterbacks and, and that I even saw him out that practice a couple of days ago, just throwing off to the side with Brian Hoyer. And, and, you know, when, when the rest of the team was doing special teams, you know, just little things like that to, um, you know, try to build whatever connection he might have with Hoyer, uh, should Hoyer be called upon to play. So all those things go a long way um, when your superstar franchise type of player is doing those little things. I think it goes a long way to building that chemistry within the entire group. NFL Network's Omar Ruiz joins us here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. You asked a question to hit coach Josh McDaniels the other day about buy-in and guys like Devontae and Max and other free agents that were brought in have the buy-in. They're there with them and they're the, the big-time players and the big names on the uh, on the team or with the team. How big was that for him to be able to get that, that buy-in from those guys? Well, it was huge because, I mean, it would have been easy for some of those superstars to kind of turn their back on the program and just kind of, you know, become, 
individualistic and, and just worry about their stats, their Pro Bowl appearances, they're all pros, and, and just figure, hey, you know, we were a playoff team, then we went to six wins. Uh, there's questions about our quarterback, and there's a lot of reasons for them to kind of just, you know, I'll believe it when I see it type of attitude as opposed to buying in. And so the fact that they were able to buy in, and I think, you know, it starts with McDaniels, how you know he expressed in his answer to me there that the question he referenced, the ability to take accountability and to hold himself responsible, he has to do better. And that have that trickle down through the entire coaching staff and, and the rest of the roster. Uh, so, you know, you have that style of accountability. Um, you know, I, I think that leads to the buy-in and for to get those big name players, those superstars to do that, I, I think goes a long way. You know, and Omar, when he gave that answer, and again, I thought it was a great question, uh, he, he didn't sound like, at least to me, that it was just coach speak. How did you take his answer, and especially when he took the accountability, like you mentioned, and said, hey, we, including me, and the rest of the coaches have to be better? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was coach speak. I think that's the sort of authentic, um, you know, truth. And, and he, he probably realized he does need to do better. I mean, they, they went from a playoff team to a six-win team, mm-hmm. uh, given the expectations um, bringing in Devontae Adams and, and Chandler Jones and, and what seemed to be an improved roster from a playoff team. And, and, and obviously, you know, last year there were so, so many disappointing losses. And I think he referenced that too. You know, you're up double digits uh, in several games that, you know, they've just got to find a way to, to fight and finish those in 23. So, um, and, and you know, Q, you've been around the NFL for a long time now. It's, there's such a small line between winning and losing, and the Raiders in 2022 were just so uh, so much evidence of that. You know, the big leads, blowing them, ended up in losses, and then and then similarly, they they had a resounding type of win in that regard against the Patriots and, right. uh, and Chandler Jones and all that. So it goes both ways. Um, but but I, you know, to your original point, um, you know, with McDaniel's kind of you know owning up to his mistakes and looking at himself in the mirror and, and the need for improvement, I think, again, sets the tone for, for what type of accountability that, that the organization will have. Talking with Omar Ruiz here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You know, they got a mandatory minicamp, just got wrapped up. They had OTAs. They'll have another one next week and then nothing until training camp. How much of what they're doing right now, how much of that do you think can carry over to training camp and then ultimately the preseason, which leads into the regular season? Well, I, I think a lot, and I think, when you hear a lot of the players and coaches talk about practicing faster, you know, having a quicker pace to everything that they do, the familiarity uh, both on offense and defense uh, moving into year two, I, th- I think that's uh, interesting to hear them say that. It's interesting to see that play out in the field. Um, you know, guys aren't necessarily thinking too much, um, you know, overthinking, overanalyzing, and, and uh, you know, you've seen guys play slowly. Uh, when they do that. So the fact that they are playing faster, have that familiarity, should go a long ways to build in training camp and then carry over to the regular season. And I think, you know, looking at from a defensive standpoint, something we talk about every year with the Raiders needing improvement, um, Patrick Graham comes back uh, last year going into his first year. He was the fourth defensive coordinator in four years, you know, right. throwing Rod Marinelli's interim status there. So, you know, to get that continuity and, and focus on obviously what they have to focus on with turnovers last in the league in 2022, uh, you know, sacks getting more pressure on the quarterback as great as Max Crosby is, you know, Chandler Jones was a disappointment, you know, all, all you know, all, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, big reason they went and got 
Tyree Wilson with number seven overall pick. So those are quick avenues there, turnovers and, and pressure on the quarterback sacks that you know can get that defense to improve quickly. And if they do, and we've been saying this for years now, Q, if they can get that defense to you know even just middle of the road, mm-hmm. then the Raiders you know are, are going to have success because I think the offense will still be productive and be able to score points. Yeah, I feel like that's the story of my life. That's been the theme of my life, talking about the Raiders getting that defense <laughs> to the middle of the pack. You know, we had an opportunity to talk to Max Crosby on Monday, and we probably had about almost 20 minutes with him, and I, he, he always impresses me with the way that it seems like he's never satisfied and he's always hungry. Omar, how, how much better do you think Max Crosby could be? Like, how could he keep pushing himself to keep improving, improving, and improving? Yeah, I mean, just – just that you know that's kind of relentless work ethic and i loved his answer a couple weeks ago when he talked about work-life balance and all that and says i don't have that my my focus right now is to be an all-time great to be the best at my position and and all that and of course i love my daughter i love my family and you know i spend time around them and cherish those on that are on the inner circle but otherwise i am solely focused on being the best player that i can be and and i go back to january when i was at the building for the nflpa collegiate bowl practices, or I'm sorry, the East-West Shrine practices that were being held at the Raiders facility. And, and you look in the weight room and the one guy there is Max Crosby. And it, it made me think of a few years ago, I was at the Cowboys facility in the middle of March, nothing's going on. You look in the weight room and there's one person in there drenched in sweat and it's Dak Prescott. Mm. And so, you know, your best players um, who work year round constantly, um, you know, set the tone Max Crosby is one of those, and and that that relentlessness, you know, you would hope, you would think, kind of, you know, would be contagious for the rest of the team. And I think, you know, uh, the consistency that he gets, ability to beat double teams, even triple teams, at some point, really thoroughly dominate a game, which is something we've seen in spurts. But I think if he can get that consistently, then then he'll continue to kind of transcend his position and be one of the greats in football. NFL Network's Omar Ruiz is with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Today we saw Dalvin Cook, the announcement of him being released from the Minnesota Vikings, and, well, that's the life of a running back, right? So what do you think the market is now for Dalvin Cook, and how does that kind of maybe even shape the market for one Josh Jacobs who hasn't signed his franchise tag yet? Yeah, it's probably – I think it'll – it just takes one team, right, in terms mm-hmm. of Dalvin Cook first, you know, to, to have great value. For instance, the 49ers placed a great value on Christian McCaffrey last year, all, everything they gave up to get him. And, and look how um, he sparked that team and, and really, you know, spurred a 12-game winning streak uh, after he got there, was inserted into the starting lineup and, and played full-time. And they didn't lose until the NFC Championship game, which, you know, who knows what would happen if their quarterbacks don't get hurt. So you take, you know, let's say Miami Dolphins, who, you know, Dalvin Cook, you know, from a system from the 49ers and Mike McDaniel, if he can, Dalvin Cook can fill that Christian McCaffrey role in that Dolphins. I mean, that would be, you know, that would be seem like a perfect fit and he mm-hmm. gets good money there. Okay, well now you have that type of player getting paid well, then it sort of affects Josh Jacobs. But, you know, if the, so if the market by and large is not good for Dalvin Cook, then, you know, obviously, similarly, that would have a trickle-down effect to Josh, Josh Jacobs. But again, just takes one to place that big value, and that'll be an, an interesting contract to see what Dalvin Cook actually gets and then its subsequent effect on Josh Jacobs. Will the running back market ever be what it should be? <laughs> it feels like that they just get treated bad. Even though they make good money, it just seems like they're treated bad. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's all cyclical. 
you know, I think, you know, right now it's, it's down. It reminds me of maybe 2013, 2014, you know, when, when Giovanni Bernard mm. was the first running back taken and, and he didn't go until the second round. And, and then the next year, it was, yeah, I forget who exactly, but somebody like Amir Abdullah, you know, was, was you know, kind of went high and, and, and there wasn't really, you know, running backs weren't taken in the first round. And then, and then here comes Leonard Fournette, you know, in 2017 gets taken really high. Zeke Elliott in 2016 gets taken really high. And those teams turn around quickly. And then all of a sudden, people start placing more uh, value on the running backs. And then those guys get paid. They get hurt. And so now it's being devalued. So I think it's a cycle type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now it's, we're seeing the, you know, the bottom trickle. But I think this will happen. And then, you know, in a couple of seasons, there'll be a transcendent guy come out of college. Uh, he'll turn, the, you know, a team to a Super Bowl contender. Then, then everybody will be like, hey, we got to get a running back. <laughs> we can transcend the offense like this guy. Right. And then they'll start paying him again. So I think that's just kind of what we're seeing. But, um, but you know, I think the salary cap with its, you know, continuing to increase, I think, you know, the running backs will, will eventually get their get their money and, and kind of cycle through again. I hope so, man. I sure do like the days of when, man, the running back was the bell cow, and it was so important to the success of the team. And like you said, it kind of goes in cycles. Well, Omar, fantastic stuff. Uh, are you on a little camp tour? Are you taking a little bit of break before training camp? What you got coming up next? Yeah, we'll be on, we'll be on the camp tour next week. Uh, we'll go to Houston, uh, visit with C.J. Stroud and, and D'Amico Ryans, and then and then jump up to Denver and, and uh, visit with the Broncos, see the new-look Broncos mm-hmm. with John Payton and Russell Wilson and now Frank Clark yep. uh, in the mix, staying in the division. So, yeah, it'll, you can catch it all on NFL Plus, our, uh, you know, the, the, the sidekick to our NFL.com NFL app, and, uh, and check it out. It'll be live. Um, 11 to 1 p.m. Pacific time uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, you know I'm always tracking what you're doing, man. You're putting in uh, fantastic work as always. I definitely appreciate you. Like I said, man, it was great to catch up with you and see you the other day at the the training facility. Likewise, Q. Look forward to the next time, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Omar. Okay, you too. All right, brother. There he goes. Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network on Twitter at Omar D. Ruiz. A really good dude right there. Uh, What a fantastic job. I'll tell you right now, if I didn't – if I didn't do this, and I love this, right? And I'm not, yeah. trying, I'm not trying to put my resume out there. But if I didn't do this, where I had a radio show every day, I would love to do that. You know what I mean? Like work for NFL Network and just tour everything and be a part of every NFL team, just kind of checking out, go in, fly in, check out the camp, check out team, talk to coach, boom, go somewhere else. Now, that'd be a lot of travel time, but I've never been one to shy to travel. That's just kind of how I roll as well. I mean, Knowing you, you might drive from. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drive as far as I can, and then the rest is flights, and hope that I get it right. Because sometimes when I fly, the traveling is not too good. But many thanks to Omar Ruiz. Definitely appreciate his time. A lot of great stuff that he provided there in that few minutes that we had with him. Twelve forty-seven is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number one just like that. Straight Nation Radio nine twenty. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to my guy Omar Ruiz who joined us in the last segment. Great stuff. Great nuggets. <laughs> Even Jared said, I was about to jump in and ask a question, but you guys are on a roll. <laughs> yeah, that, it was it was one of those where every once in a while the great thing about my job is I just get to listen to sports radio. <laughs> right, right. Like and, obviously I need to be doing other stuff too, but sometimes I'm just like, this is a really good conversation. 
oh, I should pay attention. How much time do we have? <laughs> right, because that's what happens to me. I'll get into a good conversation. I'll look up and be like, whoops, went a little bit longer than I expected. But uh, Omar's a really good friend, and, and to be able to you know, chop it up with them and, and talk some, some football and talk some Raiders football, as he was, like I said, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center uh, the last few days for mandatory minicamp was really cool. And I promise you, we talked, what, 15 minutes here on the show, but I probably talked about 25, 30 minutes in the parking lot. Then I talked about 25, 30 minutes out on the, on the grass while we were watching, uh, you know, the, the, the practice and everything. So uh, it's, really, it's really fun to catch up with Omar. So, again, he provided a lot of really good nuggets. Definitely appreciate him and his efforts coming up at the top of the hour. Gilbert Manzano, SI Now, Monday morning quarterback. He's actually the reason for the topic that we have today. As I threw the question out there, what is the Raiders' position of weakness? What is their position of strength? And what is the Raiders' X factor? 69187, keyword r and Of course, we don't have a guest. 702-365-9200. You could always chime in as well. Jim from Yonkers said the position of weakness is quarterback due to the uncertainty of Jimmy G's health. The position of strength is the wide receiver group. Most depth at the position. We were lucky over the years to have two capable receivers. Now we have a, uh, we have a few difficult decisions to make come September. That's a good thing. The X factor is linebacker. Spillane, Diablo, undrafted free agent Drake Thomas. We need to add depth. This could make or break us. The two undrafted free agent offensive linemen could be diamonds in the rough. The other X factor is Ziggler. He seems to be very well prepared. Thank you for a great show. It's Jim from Yonkers. I like, I like how you mentioned Dave Ziggler. And I've said this so many times. Uh, you know, I could be totally fooled and I could be wrong and I can come back later and say, you know what? My bad. I got that one wrong. But there's something about Dave Ziegler. I just, I, I really, I get that sense that he really has a great idea of what the hell he's doing. He's got that calmness about him that, right. like, almost inspires confidence. Right. That you're just like, oh, okay, he's not worried. And it's one thing. It's so like, I'm not worried. It's like when you listen to someone is one thing, but when you're around them, and I haven't been around them a lot, but I mean, just being around them for a little while, it's like you could just see the confidence in someone. You know, I'm a big body language guy, and if someone looks kind of nervous and a little shifty, then probably they're nervous and shifty, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're probably not really uh, sure about what they're saying, but something about Dave Ziegler just makes you feel like, yeah, he knows what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, he does have a plan, even though I might not know what it is, which is fine, right? It's like, and I know we only have a quick second. It's like, growing up, I always knew that no matter what the situation was, like, mom was going to take care of it, right? Always had the confidence that, you know, and I never even thought it was a big deal. I was like, oh, mom, I need to do this. And she's like, okay. And she got it done. And I never, I never ever stressed, like, oh, it's not going to happen. She always got it done. I know this is different than, you know, raising a kid and, 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 and you know, holding down a household. But it's the same kind of calm and never, like, see, him, see you sweat type moment. That's how Dave Ziegler is to me. It's never see you sweat. Coming up in hour number two, Gilbert Manzano. He kicks off the show or kicks off the hour. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.